This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Jeremy, it is so good to see you again. It is so good to see you again. It's strange how similarly you were dressed to last week, but you know, for those on the podcast, they can't they can't see that, but it's you know, hat yes. all the way down. Keen keen observers on Facebook Live might recognize that we actually recorded these two episodes back to back and did not have time for a wardrobe change in between episodes. But That's this right. is That's our right. youth worker recharge for the day. And last week we talked about leaving well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week, it's that natural progression of starting well. So we are going to think about somebody that is jumping into a new youth ministry position or a new youth ministry situation and the things that they can do uh, to improve their experience, to improve the experience of the church that they're serving, and also hopefully set themselves up for success. Yeah. Setting yourself up for success is huge. Um, I, you know, and... I think every place when you start, it starts with relationships. Yes. Period. Yep. And um, however you can carve out as much time as you can to just do coffee and lunch and ice cream and whatever it is um, with as many people in the church as you can. Uh, Kids, students, of course, yes, but also volunteers and also church leaders, right? So one thing that um, that I've had churches ask is like, what could we do to help you when you first get here? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've said is go ahead and set up lunch meetings for me for the first month, right? Or Wait, go so ahead that's... and set up Zoom meetings or coffee yeah. meetings and just like do it. And, and start with, you know, church leaders and, you know, youth leaders and all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to meet as many people as I can uh, because there's because there's going to be like as soon as you start really digging in and getting off to the races of the programming stuff, it is going to eat up as much time as as it as you can as you have. Right. So yeah. uh, carving out as much space at the beginning for those, you know, forming those relationships is key. I completely agree. And it's so important to have those set up outside of, you know, whatever official introductions that there are, whether that's in worship or anything else, because you know, as well as I do, you end up in like that receiving line outside the sanctuary, shaking hands with however many families, you're not going to remember names, you're not going to remember stories, they're going to remember you, and they're going to remember what they told you. (laughs) But there's no way yes. you're going to be able to keep up. And so finding that time for the coffees, the lunches, the meet and greets, that relationship yes. building, so, so big. And when you sit down in those, you know, also those are opportunities to just ensure that you're building a two-way street, right? You are right. not mm-hmm. always in presentation mode and having to give everybody the sales pitch for what you're going to do and the vision that you have. It's important to be able to share those things. But honestly, when you're building a relationship, you're asking open-ended questions of those volunteers and those parents and those other youth um, to hear about their experiences and the stuff that they're looking forward to or the stuff that they're into, right? Like the things they're interested in that are outside church. Asking open-ended questions in those times is so, so big. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that um, for me, when I go into those meetings, I like to have like two or three questions that I'm asking everybody. Great one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like, what is the best thing we do? What is the thing that's like, what's the like, is there a problem and issue? You know, like you can find a good way to ask the question, but like, what's the problem that we have right now? And like, uh so what's the best thing? What's the worst thing? And what's something that, that, that you're excited about, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then I try to, after each one of those meetings, write that down mm-hmm. so that a month or two later, I can go back and review some of that and say, Oh, you know what? There's some themes here. Yeah. Right. And I can sit down with our leadership team and say, Hey, look, these are the themes of all these, I met with all these people and they, you know, like everybody kind of said that we have like the same, this, this, this one thing that we do really sucks. Right. (laughs) Or like everybody hates the same thing or loves the same thing or everybody, you know, like whatever. And you can, um, you can start, uh, you can start sort of leveraging some of those conversations to sort of map out what, what needs to be some of your first steps in the future? That's a great one. Um, and it actually dovetails really nicely with the one that I'm really excited to be able to share. And that's just being able to play the I'm new card, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> because asking those questions goes along in almost any meeting that you get to be a part of, right? You yep. you have this, uh, What what's the phrase that you like using? Um Oh, I like to say that you have an amount of new that you can spend on things. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and so we'll pull apart that in it just next. But listen, you're new. Everybody knows you're new. You know yeah. you're new. You don't know why right. things are the way that they are. And you can ask right. questions and have a fresh perspective on a ministry, on um, a program, on an organization that people that have mm-hmm. been inside it for a long time don't have. And they may have stopped asking themselves why questions a long time ago, because they just assume this is the way it is and we all deal with it. Right. Um, Right. So, and and here's a, here's a quick tip on that one. Why question, instead of just saying like, why can we do that? Sometimes a a real quick, well, why do we do that? can sound accusatory. You can really soften that by saying like, Oh, do you mind telling me the story behind why we do it that way? Sure. And that one little shift instead of, well, why do we do it that way to, can you tell me the story behind why we do it that way? Helps him, helps it feel like you are trying to learn Mm -hmm. and not like you're accusing them or pointing out some sort of idiotic thing that they do. You might also be doing that, but. (laughs) Great point. It reminds me slightly of um, something that I've learned over, you know, being married for 15 years. Um, Whenever my wife and I, if we're trying to figure out dinner plans, um, (laughs) I I will avoid saying I do not care at all costs. Um, I will say I have no preference because what I mean when I say I don't care is actually I have no preference, but um, it hits differently, right? If you hear somebody say I don't care. And so that intentionality behind the language and the approach to asking why or discovering how something came to be uh, Mm -hmm. is a huge, huge deal. All right. The amount of new that you can spend. Oh, right. So you, everybody sort of has an account with some sort of some amount of new that you get to spend on things. And I don't mean dollars. I mean, just like you can try something new and everybody will try it with you. Right. Yeah. And, and the, 
bigger that thing is, the more that drains the account, right? And if you're wanting to cancel the everybody's favorite retreat, right, that's going to wipe that account down to zero. Yeah. Um, but you can spend your new on whatever, but just be intentional about like the big changes or new things or new ideas that you do be intentional and say like, you know what? I don't want to. Yeah. It's weird that they eat in the middle of the youth program, but like, I don't want to spend my new on changing that. Right. (laughs) Sure. Right. Well, maybe I'll change that in a year or two, but like, I'm not going to spend my new on that. I'm going to spend my new on like, Oh, this cool thing that I've come up with or, or whatever. Um, or like they've never been on a mission trip before. So I'm going to spend my new one trying a mission trip out. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I, I love the idea of being able to invest newness, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that that doesn't last forever, right? It's also kind right. of like a temporary account. Um, yeah. At some point it is going to reach zero. So figure out what in the world you want to spend that on because right. then it's going to be replaced by whatever comes out of what you invested in, Right. Um, all right. This was another great one in our conversation preparing for today. Um, boundary setting. And you had this yes. super duper brilliant observation that it is easier to set boundaries at the beginning than it is yes. to try to reset or revisit those after you've been somewhere for a while. So pull that apart for us a little bit. Absolutely. There are some boundaries that you've got to choose. You've got to set. Like, when is it that you are not going to answer the phone? Is it going to be after 7 p.m., 6 p.m., after 10 p.m.? Whatever it is, like going ahead and making that decision. I'm not going to answer my phone on the weekends or, you know, if the pastor calls, like I'm not answering his call in the middle of the night. I don't care what it is. I don't care if the church is on fire. I don't care at one in the morning. Right. Um, And so, like, just whatever it is, figuring out what those boundaries are and just Setting them from the beginning, being like, "Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't respond to calls on my on, my, on Friday," sure. um, yeah. and just and just be like, like it's a matter of fact thing, and it's really easy to be like, "Oh, okay, the last pastor didn't do that. That's, that's an interesting thing about Pastor Jeremy. He doesn't uh, take calls on Friday or whatever it is." Yeah, um, this is my day so, off. These are my days off. But, that's right. This is when I'm not available to you. Um, and uh, and then with your family is another piece. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my wife, I am very, 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 and not everybody's like this. I don't know why, but I am very committed to the fact that the congregation does not get a two-for-one deal with me and my spouse, right? My spouse does not work there. Mm-hmm. Um, she will not be working there. She will come whenever she wants to come. She will volunteer whenever she wants to volunteer, but it's not an expectation. And so one of the things that my spouse um, began doing very early on was she answered absolutely no questions related to my job for the first six months. To be honest, she just doesn't really answer the questions about my job. But like, even if she knew the answer, right, um, she would say, oh, I don't know. You'll have to ask Jeremy. I don't know. you have to ask Jeremy. Um, you want to set up a play date with our kids? Great. We'll talk about that. But like, uh, we're in nothing about the job. So, um, and, and figuring the same kind of things out with your family. If your family is not the kind of family that's going to be there every single Sunday mm. for the rest of their life on the front row, make sure they're not there at some point in the first six weeks, sure. right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, and, and don't make an excuse for it. 
just act like it's normal. And someone's like, oh, your, your family's not here. And you're like, oh yeah, they had something this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like there, that's not an expectation you get to have. Um, and whatever it is, like, like I said, everybody's different. Everybody has their own things, but whatever those boundaries are that you want to set, they're important. Set them from day one. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I was also so glad to hear you um, try to give some language to normalize setting boundaries for your family, because too often, yeah. you know, like there has been a model for a long time uh, where a church staff person's significant other gets to be an unpaid staff person, right? And they oh, just sort yeah. of expect that they've got to show up and spend this. And it's like, no, 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 that that's really not an appropriate boundary for our family or for you as a church to put that expectation on a staff person. So thank you for giving voice to that one. Well, and it's not appropriate for you, period. That's right. So, and, and I think like you've got to be good at your job. If you are not good at the organizational stuff, you've got to get better at it. You can't just pawn that off on your significant other. I'm sorry. Like yeah. if you're disorganized, you can't be like, oh, he's disorganized. Well, his wife will take care of turning in the credit card receipts. Like that, no, that's that's not okay. That's not appropriate. Like you need to get better at that because you've got to be able to do your own job because it, it really also hurts the other staff people. Yeah. It hurts the people who might come after you because there's an expectation that like they're, the, the next person's spouse will be like that. Or that, well, why doesn't your spouse volunteer for everything? Like, well, because they're not paid. <laughs> That's right. You did say volunteer as I, as I heard, right? Very clearly. Um, all right. My last kind of suggestion for making sure that folks start well, uh, and this is something that um, if I could go back in time, I would absolutely do myself mm. because I did not learn about it until um, after a couple of job transitions. I've got a good friend um, that when he would start a new ministry position, the first thing he would do is look around and he would call them his fab five, right? Like once okay. upon a time, Michigan basketball had this amazing starting lineup. There's five players on the court. They called the fab five. I thought you were, I thought you were talking about the reality show where the people like selected your clothes and stuff. Uh, is that a show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me it was the link like queer eye for the straight guy. Oh man, that, okay. that yeah. show back from yeah. the like early two thousands. They, oh, they funny. Were the no, Fab this Fives. is even prior to that, right? We're talking early nineties for this. Oh, of course, right? Fab Five. I, and if it had something to do with sports, I'm not going to. And it doesn't have to be five, right? Like you could name a Fab Four. You could make it Beatles themed. <laughs> that would be totally okay. Um, but basically, it is when you get started finding like four or five champions, right? Like four or five compatriots who you know you can lean on and are really invested in the youth ministry as it is, right? That that can come alongside you. And you know, when you bump into something that you can't do by yourself, these are the first four or five folks that you can call. So when we talked at the beginning of this episode about building relationships, this is part of that, right? Like in those Mm -hmm. conversations, trying to identify like four or five, if you want to use business terminology or something like that, key stakeholders or key yeah. relationships that you're going to put a lot of energy into, you know what? Find four or five of those, talk to them about your vision for youth ministry, get them in the same room, um, get them around yeah. the same table if you'd like to share a meal and start building relationships, not only one-on-one with them, but also with them as a group. Because yeah. if that group dynamic is strong and healthy and they're kind of on your side as you implement new changes or start to kind of flesh out the vision of your ministry, 
man, does it go a long way in terms of buying you like relational capital with the congregation? Yes. Because not only does Chris say this is a good idea, but you know what? Here, um, Karen and uh, Greg and Paul, and uh, they all say it's a great idea too. Yeah, sometimes you're in that Fab Five mix. Might be somebody that's not necessarily um, a typical youth volunteer. Absolutely, um, yeah. but like a an older person who is like super well respected cornerstone type person of the, of the church uh-huh. um, and bringing them into that group can be really helpful. And to be honest, bringing them in as a volunteer, they might, they might balk at being a volunteer initially. Um, but I've had some great, some of my best volunteers were senior adults. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And what a, what a great kind of ending note there, right? Like yeah. don't just dial in on the folks that you think would be the typical youth ministry fit, but Look for longtime members of the church that are like invested in that community. And if you can help them to be invested in the success of your youth ministry and therefore your success as the leader of that youth ministry, Mm -hmm. boy, does it go a long way to getting started well. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, thanks. As always, 